0: Today, I'm joined by my good friend Dan Negrea. He's the senior director of the Freedom and Prosperity Center at the Atlantic Council, and Joseph Lemoyne, the deputy director at the Atlantic Council's Freedom and Prosperity Center. I was just fascinated by their new report entitled Prosperity That Lasts, the 2023 Freedom and Prosperity Indexes. These indexes were created to provide a snapshot of the current distribution of freedom and prosperity around the world. We could like have the whole podcast talking about whether it's indexes or indices, but I don't want to do that. But I would just say, and again, assess the evolution and the relationship between freedom and prosperity in the last 20 years. And I think this is a really important topic. So both Dan and Joseph are well qualified on the subject. Dan served as the U.S. Department of State's Special Representative for Commercial and Business Affairs and as a member of the Secretary of State's Policy Planning Office where he was responsible for the economic portfolio. Joseph is a former private sector specialist at the World Bank and has authored several reports on international private sector engagement. I'm really happy to be podcasting Dan and Joseph today to talk about the Atlantic Council's new 2023 Freedom and Prosperity Indexes and what its findings mean for the field of global development, democracy and prosperity. So Dan and Joseph, thanks so much for joining me today. So Let's come back to like whether it's indexes or indices or why you call it that. Let me, let's put that in the parking lot and come back to that. But first, tell me a little bit both about yourselves and your background. Joseph, tell me about yourself.
1: Hi, hi, uh, Dan. Thank you so much for having us here. We're very happy to be here. I am originally from France. I'm a lawyer in training and I've done before the Atlantic Council. I spent most of my career at the World Bank where I studied with the research department and worked on a different set of indices then moved on to the advisory practice, helping governments to improve their processes and regulations. Dan,
0: tell us about yourself.
2: So one interesting thing about me is I started uh, life in, uh, in communist Romania. So uh, my work today and in the past few years about how a lack of freedom affects prosperity It's not just theoretical for me. I lived in a country in which there was no economic freedom, no political freedom, and it affected everything, including the prosperity of the people. Um, Then I worked on Wall Street for many years before I had the great privilege to serve our country as a member of uh, the State Department. And now at the Atlantic Council, where I work with Joseph and other members of our team and my colleagues at the Atlantic Council in general.
0: So... I think this is super interesting, this report. Joseph, can you talk about your initiative at the Atlantic Council?
1: Yes, thank you. So we are the Freedom and Prosperity Center. Our mission is to increase the prosperity of the poor and marginalized, in particular in developing countries, and to explore the nature of the relationship between freedom and prosperity. So our main product is the Freedom and Prosperity Indexes, but we are much more than just the indexes. We produce an annual report that interprets the results. We have a annual research conference in February when we invite scholars from around the world that are researching the topics, researching the, the relationship between freedom and prosperity. And we have an annual collection of essays by scholars that we work with. But the indexes are very much central to our work. They are the foundation from which we, we built all these other great uh, initiatives.
0: So Dan, can you give me some background on the report what were the goals behind it, and how do you envision it in aiding the international community?
2: Yeah, so we wanted to accomplish two things. We wanted to create a tool for scholars who want to study the interrelationship between freedom and prosperity. But we didn't want to have something that is useful only in ivory towers. We wanted to also help agents of change on the ground. So scholars can use our work. We have 100,000 data points. We've collected data from 164 countries over 28 years using 19 indicators from 10 different sources. So all this information and our methodology is available on our website for scholars who want to look at our work. By the way, parentheses here. Then Randy has been helpful in the Previous year's edition of these indexes and the report has been one of the key partners that we've had in creating this. So thank you for the, you were there at the creation, as they say, for our indexes. But we also want to help agents of change. And we think of agents of change as being both people who are in government, whether legislatures or people who are in power, whether legislatures or government or in civil society. The people who are in government can look at our indexes as being benchmarks in their attempts to improve the plight of their people. And people who are in civil society, we give them a tool to go to their people in power and ask for change because they can point to areas in which their country can do better.
0: So, Joseph, what findings surprised you?
1: So the Freedom and Prosperity Indexes is because... There are two different separate indexes, the freedom index and the prosperity index. So we came in, in, into this work with the hypothesis that the answer to reach prosperity, you need freedom. And so we wanted to test this. And that's why we created two separate indexes to, to study this relationship. What was surprising to me when I came in into this research, you know, not knowing what we will find and what surprised me was how strong the relationship was. If you look at our report I think the relationship is around 0.8 in the correlation factor uh, which is strong but you know you're going to tell me correlation is not causation but something very powerful that we did is we looked at how changes in freedom are leading to changes in prosperity and that's something we can do because we have 28 years of data and so we looked at those countries that moved in one or up or down on freedom and in where they went on prosperity. And here again, we've found a very strong relationship, meaning that if you are going to improve your freedom, generally your prosperity is meant to increase as well. It's not causation, but it's exciting results that gets us much closer to proving that causal bank.
0: That's great. I bet you're getting a lot of pings or asks about this information given that finding. That's a very encouraging finding. I'm not surprised, I'm happily not surprised, but there continues to be, you know, I think this link between freedom and prosperity, human democratic freedom and prosperity is something we need to keep kind of banging on. I think there's some oftentimes kind of separate, separated, if you will, and sort of seen as two separate things. And, And what you all are saying is that they're interrelated and linked, and that's good. More human freedom often leads to, will lead to over time, more human, more material prosperity. It's great.
2: Dan, what do your findings mean for U.S. policy? So let me start by saying that we were not created for the purpose of helping U.S. policy. We were created to help the poor and the marginalized, primarily in developing countries. But whether we like it or not, our work is relevant because of the point at which we are in history. So we are, especially after the Second invasion of Ukraine at the point where we have clearly a free world group of countries and clearly an autocracy group of countries. And then there are all, of course, there is this third group of countries that's called the new non-aligned movement. And the country, the United States, and the other countries in the free world want to make the case to the countries in the new non-aligned movement that the development model offered by the autocracies is not the way they should go. So it was not our plan, but we did create a set of data that can be used by the US government to make the case that autocracies do not deliver. Good. Okay,
0: Joseph, what do your findings mean for multilateral institutions, including the World Bank and regional development banks?
1: So that's that's a good question. Before the Atlantic Council, I I used to work for the World Bank. And I started my career there with the research department. And I will always remember getting to a new office, you go talk to people and just try to figure out like, what is my job? What am I doing here? And one of the first guys that I spoke to told me something that very much stuck with me is, is, we're trying to find solutions and to to give us the ability to advocate for things that we know actually work. Because when you do this work, when you're a multilateral institution, you like, you think that more freedom is a good idea, but until you actually can prove it, you know, it's not going to work. And that's very much what we're trying to do here is to, with data, with facts, we're trying to prove that yes, freedom is actually the answer if you want long-term prosperity. here, we just want our data to be used by these institutions. We just want to help communicating that message because we can participate in the conversation by showing that it works. And we sure hope that it will help regional development banks and the World Bank to continue this work.
0: So, Dan, does this report suggest that liberal democracy is the key to prosperity? And if so, how so?
2: Joseph and I just present, prepared the presentation uh, that we, we gave just last week and had a great title, False Promises the Russian and Chinese development model. And what we showed was how if we compare Russia and the Baltics, what we see is a group of countries that were all part of the Soviet Union. So they all started in the same place. They had no economic freedom. They had no political freedom. And the GDP per capita when in '91 when communism fell was about the same. And then you look at the trajectory of Russia on the one hand, and the Baltics on the other hand, and the Baltics grew much faster economically. They escaped the middle income trap, while Russia is still below the middle income trap, with one exception, 2012-2014 period. They got above it for a little bit and then came back because gas prices were higher by that period. But Russia is not a convincing case. And then the other comparison that we made was between China on the one hand and South Korea and Taiwan on the other. China, People's Republic of China, South Korea and Taiwan in the early 60s were similar. They were all dictatorships, military dictatorships in the case of Taiwan and South Korea, communist dictatorship in the case of China. But then South Korea and Taiwan became democracies. They escaped the middle-income trap, while China is still in the middle-income trap. But even when we look at our broader measurements of prosperity, because in our measurement of prosperity, we look at not just at income, but also inequality, education, health, treatment of minorities, and the environment, the autocracies are doing much less well than the democracies by order of magnitude. As we pointed out earlier, we are making the case: the path to prosperity, certainly to durable prosperity, is by way of freedom. Joseph, tell me about the link between
0: democracy and economic growth. Dissenters will say, "Look at China or Singapore as counterexamples." What's your response to that?
1: Dan already spoke about China. The Singapore is a very good topic to discuss when you when you look at our data. So when you look into this, it's always good to define exactly the terms and what you're trying to measure. So. We talk about democracy, but here, we our indexes measure freedom holistically. We have three sub-indexes, economic freedom, political freedom, and legal freedom, which is the, the, the rule of law. And each of them have equal weight. You might disagree, you might think that political freedom should have a stronger part of the, in the equation, but for transparency and simplicity, we gave them equal weight. Singapore and the UAE is another outlier in our, in our model. They don't score well on political freedom, but they have a, a strong score and a strong rank on economic freedom and on legal freedom, which means that they overall achieve a level that is higher than you would think just thinking of, of them as when you read, read in the news. But what is important to remember is that Economic freedom is going to take you somewhere. The rule of law is going to take you somewhere. But we tested the relationship on all of those subcomponents. And by far, the best recipe is to have the the three of them together. So you might get somewhere with only economic freedom and the rule of law, but if you want to fully graduate into a free and prosperous society, our data points towards the need of having full-on freedom on all three uh, measurements. And also, these countries, you, when you look at them, these countries are small countries. It's much easier to run a small country. And like then give the example of China, China who has somewhat of a similar model of bringing some economic freedom with some rule of law. We, we see that it's not working. So really, the, the recipe is the, the true recipe is the, the three freedoms together.
0: Okay, guys, I can, you can write reports, and that's really important but tell me about how are you socializing these reports? How are you getting the word out?
2: Yeah, so 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 key to getting the word out is having friends who are influential media figures, like Dan Randi, who has a podcast, for example. We are using the usual tools. We have a presence on Twitter. We have a presence on LinkedIn. We organize events at which we discuss our findings, not just in the U.S., but globally. What is very, very important to us is not to be a Washington conversation organization. We have strategic partners in Latin America. These are think tanks in Latin America, in Eastern Europe, in the Arab world, in India. We will soon announce a partnership in Africa. And we organize events with our partners and we want to speak with their voice rather than a bunch of people in Washington talking about their, their
1: findings. Okay, so Joseph, what are you doing? How are you getting the word out? I work closely with Dan to make it happen. <laughs> it's been exciting since we've launched. Uh, we have great results. With this data, we built a, um, a data dashboard. It's a, it's a website where anyone can navigate the data. And it's been, I think it's a fantastic tool. One of the, the main lessons from my experience at the World Bank is that there's a lot of great research out there, but a lot of people just don't know about it. So we developed this tool for people to use it and go explore. If you want to know how your country is doing, what is happening in your country, what has been going on in the past 28 years, you can go and play around and navigate and find fascinating findings. So I encourage you to, to go visit the, the website for the Freedom and Prosperity Indexes.
0: Where is the website? If I want to go to the website and find out more, where can I do that?
1: You can go to AtlanticCouncil.org backslash FPIndexes. Or you can go to the Freedom and Prosperity Center website. You can simply Google it. You'll find it. It's right there up top. Um, it's easy to find.
2: Yeah. So without getting to complicating IP addresses, just simply the Freedom and Prosperity Center at the Atlantic Council, and you go there. We also have a video describing our indexes work, our website, which by the way got an award. We worked with uh, an outside. Creator of websites. And it was recognized in the publication that apparently that's a big deal for for creators of websites. The other thing that we are doing is we had a a research conference which was live streamed and we had 500 people attending from 37 countries. And the results of essays from that conference were put together in a book uh, with the title The Prosperity Equation that I co-edited it with the CEO of the Atlas Network and the CEO of the Acton Institute. And we will have it available on Amazon in the, in the fall for 99 cents, which apparently is the lowest price that Amazon would accept. So we are subsidizing this, this price. and available to, uh, to anyone in the world who wants to look at one aspect or another of this relationship between freedom and prosperity, written by 16 scholars from 11 countries.
0: Well, this is great. Well, look, I'm really grateful. I want to
2: congratulate
0: you both for this release of these indexes. Thanks for the time. I look forward to watching you guys progress on this work. This is really important stuff. It's a really important contribution to the field. So thank you both for what you're doing. Thank
2: you, Dan. Thank you for having us on your podcast and for your guidance and advice and support as we started. We were new and you were well established, so we're very grateful for your support. Mm-hmm. Thank Happy you. Happy
0: to do so. Thanks, guys. Thank Congratulations. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out our larger suite of CSIS podcasts from Into Africa, The Asia Chessboard, China Power, AIDS 2020, The Trade Guys, Smart Women Smart Power, and more.